Night falls on the golden age of humanity. Sons shall turn upon their father, and his worlds drown in blood. The eye shall open, and the galaxy will burn. Join us, listeners. We go into the canon lore of the Forge World Black Books on Heresy Grad School. Professors Jason, Patrick, and Dave, myself, will dive into the lore of the Black Books and the Black Library novels that we know and love and explore the heresy as history. So get a coffee, get your notebook out, and uh, prepare to explore heresy as history with us on Heresy Grad School. Now recording. Ah, Jesus, that never gets any easier. <laughs> I can't remember if we recorded with, with GRC last time. I think, I think we did. I think so. I think so, too. Because we got a full episode in, so that makes that makes sense. At least he doesn't say anything. Right? It's just kind of creepy in the background. <laughs> that doesn't help. Cool. So, um, yeah, I guess we could... You want to kick this off, Jason? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was uh, engrossed in my notes here. No, that's, that's totally cool. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and introduce this one. Since uh, our faithful tech adept, Patrick, cannot be with us tonight, um, it'll be just Jason and I. And we're going to be talking to you guys about uh, something that is both uh, near and dear to our hearts. And um, I guess we should say, before we go too, too much further, we were going to just start this as, I think, a one-off uh, episode and talk about just the sort of the bonded nighthouses that are in book four, um, the vassal bound uh, or the vassal households of the Mechanicum, which starts on page 96. But as Jason and I started reading and, you know, reading in the lore and reading in book four, and we just both got sucked in and, uh, you know, we, we found the night companion and then we found a bunch of other esoteric lore. And I think, I don't know, Jason, what do you think at this point, we've probably got enough material to do at least three or four solid episodes. Like you were not joking about that night companion guys. If you want just like the deepest of deep dives, track down this night companion. It is, it's fucking nuts. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was originally released, I think, for sixth edition. And yeah, I, uh, I think they were paired up with the sixth edition Knight Codex, like right when there was uh, just paladins and errants. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's right. There were just paladins and errants. We may have got we may have gotten some like lore references to other types of knights, but um, but yeah, we definitely didn't have anything in terms of models. This thing is amazing. Oh, yeah. It was kind of a different feel for the night houses, too. Uh, right when they started out, it seemed like, um, since there were only two types of knight armors, you had, like, the paladin armor with the battle cannon that was, like, the mainstay, the stalwart of the uh, night house veterans who, you know, were the bastion against the darknesses of the universe. And then you had the knight errant with the thermal cannon 
which was much shorter range, more aggressive, those were given to some of the more, uh, uh, let's say, novice uh, night scions and to kind of accentuate and make more effective their brash, aggressive nature. And what's really <laughs> interesting, and we'll definitely touch on this more than once, I'm certain, is that plays in even farther down the road to how the throne mechanicum, which is uh, kind of like the very tiny version of a uh, titan manifold uplink that's uh, in each individual knight, how it kind of influences its pilot over time, uh, just as the pilot influences and kind of adds his personality to the knight itself in the exact same way as a manifold in a titan. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um... And, and we should we should just say this if our listeners don't know, but like Im- Imperial Knights, Knights have been around in the Warhammer universe for as almost as long as Titans. Um, I mean, the original Adeptus Titanicus game um, included Knights. Uh, so, you know, anybody who and, and, I, and I was in this group for a long time, too. Right. I thought, oh, man, these are just weird, giant, you know, walking robots that they're releasing for Warhammer because it's, you know, it's cool to have big models, but, uh, but the night lore goes back really almost to the beginning. So to be fair, giant robots are cool. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. I mean, I'm nothing a- against giant robots. <laughs> As a mechanical player, I am a little biased, but, uh, I do remember the initial, uh, outrage that they were just going to ruin 40k as we knew it. Yeah, it was. It, they they came out right alongside that goofy, um, which this really is goofy. That that corn thing on tracks. Oh, the Lord of Skulls. Yeah, yeah. That was that was like you know, yeah. It was like a yeah. It was like a 13 year old rage, you know, icon. Um, but uh, but yeah, but so but the more I have read about knights and i think the the more i've explored the lore man the more i am really really in love with them. and uh the treatment that they got in the black books is is amazing and then in, in the night companion it just uh just connects all the dots you know the story of of the knights the story of imperial knights um and mechanicum knights is really the story of uh humanity um i want to say it's it's either the seventh edition codex or the sixth edition codex, but you know, you know how most of the old codexes have like that timeline, like, you know, significant battles. I'll find the page reference for this, but it starts at the very beginning, like in M2 and you're like, fuck yeah, dude, I've never seen uh, a Warhammer 40,000 timeline go back that far. And it starts, you know, it talks about like the age of technology and the great, you know, diaspora into the into the galaxy um and then it talks about the uh you know the the age of darkness and um the dark age of technology and then the horus heresy and then it's just like and this was sixth edition right i mean this was a long time ago this was before we really had um a lot of the deep lore that the black library gave us and the and the black books that the forge world black books have given us so it's really cool to go back and uh, and look at some of that stuff as foreshadowing. But um, but yeah, Jason, we have a lot to get into. You want to? We should probably give our listeners kind of um, a breakdown of where we think we're going. Like this might not be a hundred percent, 
Um, cause we, you know, Jason and I, we haven't worked out all of our notes, but I think we have kind of a rough sketch of, uh, probably what the next three or four episodes look like. So, uh, Jason, you want to give our listeners a little, uh, little read ahead? Well, sure. So, uh, like Dave said, originally after, uh, finishing up the Coronid deeps there, there's a very interesting segment that's a little more, I think it's about 10 pages uh, on the oath-bound vassal houses, the Mechanicum, which is pretty pertinent to the Coronid Deep story because you're talking about like House Atrax as a big one that's uh, enthralled to Archmajos Dracovac, and they play a huge part in that whole deal. But uh, as we started to get into that, we figured out like, well, we don't just want to do an overview of different oath-bound vassal houses because it's not just House Atrax. House Atrax is like one very far end of the spectrum. Uh, it's a night house that has basically been turned into attack dogs. It almost mirrors how the Fabricator General, uh, the real one, Calbor Hell, not the uh, Zagreus Kane on uh, Terra, because Terra is not Mars, and the Fabricator General is on Mars. But uh, Such a heretic, man. <laughs> It's in the blood. But um, so it's almost like Kelbor Howell uses uh, Legio Mortis to kind of uh, get his way to use them as enforcers to uh, persuade Majos that aren't, you know, aren't quite seeing the light of the scrap code yet. It's almost that in miniature. But uh, Dracovac used House Atrax in very much the same way as attackers, as um, enforcers for whatever he was doing at the time. And that worked pretty well up until the very tail end there. But on the other end of the spectrum, you have houses like Night, um, Nighthouse Crast. And I must have said this a half dozen times now, House Crast is fucking nuts, man. It starts off, they're literally the very first nighthouse that was ever discovered during the Great Crusade, and they're super proud of that. They were the first ones to, you know, throw in their lot with uh, the Mechanicum and the, imp- uh, the Emperor at large, and they set off on the Great Crusade, and they're doing, uh, they're actually the first nighthouse to adopt the title of Questorus, which um, that little addendum to a nighthouse means it's actively on crusade. But uh, they're out in the Great Crusade, and when they come back to their home planet of Crisis, uh, Legio Mortis has basically wiped it out. And to the very end of like M42 and the currently being written fluff for Warhammer 40,000, they are still pursuing Legio Mortis Titans. And yeah. it's, uh, it's to the point they're so tight in with the Mechanicum, uh, the current Fabricator General of uh, M42 has gone to the lengths of making inquisitorial agents disappear when they start questioning Kraft's motives. And it's fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're pretty cool, man. And uh, I think, I, I, you know, I had never really gotten into the... Um, the Oathbound houses, the Mechanicum houses. And, uh, you know, I think reading through book four and then getting into book, um, into the, the Night Companion, looking especially at um, uh, House Tyrannus, which, you know, so so Crast is the first 
night house that's found um, during the crusade. So they're the first night house that's encountered outside of, of Terra and Mars. But there were night houses on Mars before, Tyrannus being one of them. They were actually the first one um, that in the very beginning of the Mechanicum novel um, by Graham McNeil, the emperor comes up and sort of puts his hand on the, you know, the leg of the knight and uh, fixes the old ailment, right? So it was, I think it was verticorda. Um, Machine, you'll die, so. Yeah, yeah, you know, and sort of, you know, that was the, that was the emperor proving himself to be the omnissiah, or at least convincing um, the, uh, the knights of House Tyrannus that, that he was the omnissiah and that they should, uh, they should follow him. But, um, but House Tyrannus has sort of an equally special place um, in the lore because they're the only night house that uh, does not uh, have the throne mechanicum. So they're not subjected to uh, the neural uplinks and the other kind of what Jason, I'm sure, will get into and what I will get into as well, um, which is some of the, the ways that the mechanicum have subverted uh the imperial knights and even mechanicum knights to in sort of uh i would say written in some some extra code on top of uh on on top of the throne mechanicum which which in some ways helps and in some ways uh serves their purpose but um but yeah so uh tyrannus is the only knight household that uh that survived the heresy. Um, there were other night households on Mars, uh, which I did not know about, um, but they were the only ones that came through it. And just barely, because I'm sure if our listeners uh, have read Mechanicum, <laughs> they'll be surprised to learn uh, that any of those knights uh, from House Tyrannus survived, but, but they did. Um, and uh, we're definitely uh, looking forward to talking about that a little. Jason, what else are you looking forward to talking about? Uh, so, I actually got super sidetracked when I was, uh, you know, describing what we're going to do over the next couple of episodes, because I swear every time I get into like house craft, it's just, it's fucking nuts, man. And so anywho, uh, to our list, the plan we've been kicking around when we figured out this is going to be just way deeper than we thought it was going. Uh, we thought we'd split it up into maybe four parts. Uh, have two parts dedicated to the Mechanicum-aligned houses, uh, one to do like an overview, and one to go in super deep into the lore on some of the specific houses that Dave and I are both fans of, and then to do the same thing for the Imperial-aligned houses, kind of do like an overview of like how they differ from the Mechanicum-aligned houses, uh, what some of their special uh, terms and conditions you know, with signing up with the Emperor instead of the Fabricator General are. And uh, then for the fourth episode, do a deep dive on a couple of specific houses that are Imperial a lot. We thought that would be a good sort of overall plan, give kind of the widest range and the depth to all the things we're excited to uh, dive into and talk about. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, I'm also hoping that we can you know, kick the can down the road far enough that we get our copies of uh, Titan Death. Um, I know I've pre-ordered mine. Um, the Adeptus Titanicus campaign, Titan Death, um, to see if that gives us any uh, 
any other clues on on the uh, the night houses? I'm I'm sure we'll get plenty on the Titan Legions, but specifically was wondering if any of the uh, the night houses from from uh, I mean I know they did like we we already have House Veroni um, and uh, what's the other one we have Jason the other it's a Mechanicum household but it's not in book four it's in book I think it's book six and seven the one with the scorpions uh, Malinax yeah Malinax Malinax I wonder if we should talk about that because that seems to be a pretty popular oh, one they're a pretty giant forge aligned house. They're kind of like for um, Anacara Scoria, what House Atrax is for Archmajos Dracovac. Oh, wow. Okay. I did not know that. Yeah. So, so guys, we have a lot of, um, obviously, a lot of material that we could cover, but we're going to try to keep it, uh, you know, like we could, we could probably spend the next like 20 episodes just talking about different night houses. But I think we're going we're gonna to limit ourselves to the ones that really have special places in the lore, like Jason talked about House Crast. Um, and I'll talk about House Tyrannus. And um, I think those two houses will be really good to go along with some of the night houses in book four. We might bring in book six. Um, and then that'll give us plenty of, uh, of meat to talk about the Sidon protocols and the Pact Morbidia. And um, if you guys want to read ahead in uh, book four, that's, that's certainly where we started. And then get your hands on the... Uh, the night companion and we promise you will not go back so um and then we'll bring in some of the imperial night houses i'll talk about house orlock just a little bit um because i think we covered them a lot but i don't know jason anything else you wanted to talk about like uh anything that's really besides house crest anything that's really um kind of you're just itching to get a to get into i mean i was kind of excited house attract because in addition to, you know, being the personal flunkies for Dracovac, they also, you know, inflicted genocide on fish people. And I'm always behind that. Now, you know, this is, when we started this, I remember the conversation was not all, um, you know, not all oaths are the same, right? So that not all vassal houses of the Mechanicum are vassals in the same way. And that, and that, that gets into the, the Sidon protocols. And I think House Atrax is, um, they're kind of at the extreme end. Doesn't Dracovec, like, separate them from their knight chassis and, like, only let them, like, they're essentially, uh, they're, they're basically prisoners of his, right? Until he needs them, and then he, he sticks them in their knights, and then, is, is that Atrax, or am I thinking of a different one? Right. Uh, not to get uh, too far into stuff, you know, spoil or deep dive on it, but, uh, Dracovac does have a really firm hold on it to the point uh, they're not even referred to as a bonded house. They're considered a thrall house. Yeah, that's right. Which yeah. is a, it's a pretty interesting, um, you know, extra step in that direction. And uh, there are a lot of different implications in some of like the augmentations and whatnot that uh, some of the pilots of House Atrax undergo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, that almost matches. And I was reading about that, and I was like, God damn, that's almost like what you did with your personal Nighthouse kind of back in, I'm sure before you read any of this stuff, right, you had kind of already created some some lore for your um, for really? your Nighthouse, right? I w yeah, I was a really big fan of the idea of, uh, 
you know, thinking at the far end of it, like the one unreplaceable part of a knight essentially is the pilot. The reason night houses are so attractive to the Mechanicum in a lot of cases is because they're massive, stompy robots that have like the skills, the reactions, uh, the critical thinking, the ability to adapt on the fly of a human. And they're a lot more skilled and autonomous than, you know, basic robots and automata. So my thinking was, well, why wouldn't a Majos at some point out of desperation or I don't know, just to see if he could do it, turn a knight into a giant automata. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, because that's what, like, world domination bent Archmagos do, right? They just want to, they want to be able to uh, um, essentially have total control uh, over, uh, over their, uh, their Tagmata, right? So, um that's it's pretty awesome. One of the things I wanted to really get into, and I don't know, uh, I can't remember where it is. I think it's in the Night Companion, or maybe it's in one of the codexes. But you know, the story of knights is the story of mankind, right? And the the knight chassis itself did not start out as a um, as a weaponized chassis, right? It was essentially a um, environment control, void controlled um, explorer suit. So when when he when humanity's launching out into into the void, into into the galaxy, right? This is before they have got warp technology. So this is this is the age of technology. As they're launching out, they know they're not coming back because we don't have that technology right now. So they create these giant um, arcs and arc environments, right? And colony ships and colony armadas, and they just launch out and until they, you know, they find a, a world that's habitable. And so these, these night chassis, if you could imagine them, they probably had like pans, they probably had sampling equipment, they probably had whatever they needed to, to, to start that initial um, colony, wherever they, you know, wherever they landed, whatever environment they were going to be in, they didn't know. Um, but over time, you know, if they met hostile uh, Xenos or, you know, if, if the, if the uh, well, certainly by the time of, of the age of strife, right, when, when the warp opens up and demons, you know, infest everything, the, the worlds that survived were the worlds that still had uh, night chassis and that they were, that they weaponized them. Um, but what's really funny is, and I, Please stop me if I'm getting ahead of myself, but I think one of the night houses that they find at the beginning of the Great Crusade has like literally lost the ability to um, maintain their knights. So it's it's essentially the knight, but it's walking, but it's using diesel power. It's got um, a spear, like like not duct taped, but like like roped to its arm. Do you do you remember reading that? Yeah, that's actually a House Maccabeus. Ah, oh, it's so good, man. Yeah, yeah. So they, it's like this. They like find these guys, and they're like literally, you know, ten thousand years of separation from you know the the Great Crusade and and the Age of Strife, Old Night, and they're just fighting off these these beasts and these Xenos and night chassis that are running on like diesel fuel, and they have. Uh, They've got like really long spears duct taped to their arm. It's fucking awesome, man. 
but they're still like, yes, we need you. <laughs> well, one thing I thought was pretty fascinating was uh, just the range of how some of the night houses coped uh, with their independence and how some, like you said, some degenerated to the point where their nights were barely functional. Uh, others lost pretty much every night they had, and there might be, um, you know, night armors on the planet still, but they've been like overgrown, you know, by forests and weeds for thousands of years, and nobody really understands why they still keep the traditions of the feudal system they had going alive. But they've just been doing it for so long that even though the knights aren't themselves aren't there anymore or the knight armors, I should say, aren't there anymore, uh, there's still like a royal family that follows that exact same system of feudalism. But then in the other direction entirely, there are knight houses that have managed to keep themselves together uh, that still have functional, powerful knight armors that are yeah, more or less maintained by the uh, sacristans they've had on staff. But it's become such a insular society because I, who's going to show up on a night world and tell them to change anything other than like the emperor or fabricator general. So yeah. they've become so set in their ways that they are almost uh, the a couple of the couple of different books mentioned. They're almost like frozen in time because they've become so insular and xenophobic. Well, it was, it was part of how they survived Old Night, right? Is that they became insular and xenophobic and they, you know, essentially made sure that there was no portal for, for demons to come through, right? So they killed all the psychers. Uh, they closed down all the warp routes, right? They basically cut themselves off. And, uh, you know, that's why during the Great Crusade, they were, they were finding like night planets right next to Forge Worlds that had no idea they were there. Because just nobody was talking to each other because they were like, yeah, the last time we tried to talk to him, this you know, fucking, you know, demon incursion <laughs> happened. So we're not talking to those guys anymore. So yeah, it's um it's 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 really it's so cool. And I love the I love the variation and the variety that's that's um out there just in the night houses that uh, you know we know about. Um one of the things that we'll get into it's it's really interesting though, I think is one of the commonalities um, is what Jason just alluded to with the um, sort of the feudal system, right? And sort of the, the, the nobility um, being, being bloodlined um, and how that's really important. And it's really important to the Mechanicum. Uh, it's really important to the Imperium. Um, and it becomes sort of reinforced uh, through the Throne Mechanicum. But um, we'll definitely, definitely get into that linkage in one of our, one of our other episodes. Um, God, there's so much good stuff to get into, man. I, I could just start talking now, Jason. I'm afraid I wouldn't start. I wouldn't stop. So, I know the feeling. <laughs> um, yeah, guys, definitely. Uh, you know, get 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 your notes and uh, get a cup of coffee and uh, read through book four and the Imperial Night Companion, and I think you'll uh, you'll enjoy the uh, the ride that much more the next time Jason and I get on. But uh, I don't know, Jason. Do you, do you, you want to say anything else tonight before we uh, before we leave it? Uh, I can't think of anything other than uh, I mean, the fish people deserved it, but outside of that, God, you were just really on those fish people, man. It just 
I mean, <laughs> people admit that The Shape of Water was a shitty movie. I've never seen it. Is it? Is I'm assuming I shouldn't because it, you should not. Like <laughs> it's uh, like Megan has strong opinions on it too. Wow. Well, l- let me just say, Jason described it as being the backstory on Abe Sapien from uh, Hellboy, and it was definitely not. It was just a weird fish sex movie. Wow. Yeah, that does not sound really appealing in any way that I can think of, unless maybe somebody has a weird mermaid fetish. I mean, Um, but I'm just saying, like, you know, when Dracovac took that planet over and he gave, like, zero fucks about fish people and he just started turning them into, you know, ad secularis and servitors, I think he had the right idea. I'm just saying. I'm not going to argue with that. There were 40 million colonists on the planet, though. Like, it was not just a fish person world when Dracovic came down. Like, there were, and that, that, they were the, they were basically, they were the resistance, right? They were the ones that, that then, then uh, fought off the Mechanicum so that Dracovic had to come down, right? It wasn't, uh, I don't think it was the fish people uh, that were putting up as much of uh, a resistance to uh, the Mechanicum as it was sort of the Solar Auxilia cohorts that have been fighting this sort of guerrilla warfare against uh, presumably fish people um for a really long time but uh but yeah um you know jason that just makes me want a model of a fish person so that we can now play a campaign based on numinal with fish people hey if you guys have not been listening to the regular um, podcast that we do here, the, Remem- the Remembrancers Retreat podcast that Jesse and Will uh, and Ryan host. Um, and I, did we plug this last time, Jason? I can't remember. I think we forgot. But the, uh, the, the, the guys from Oz30K have an amazing Kickstarter right now. And we meant to talk about it, but it's, now is an even better time um, because the Kickstarter has what they're calling a... Um, they calling it Jason. They're calling it like a night house engineer, but it's it it is a sacristan, right? Have you seen it, this? It, I have. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. And then they also have the night house, the errant, right? So it would be like an ambassador. Um, so that's really cool. And so the guys from Oz Thirty K have uh, have clearly read the lore, and uh, yeah, maybe as a stretch goal, you know, we could get them to do fish people. I mean, they do have, um, oh, what are the stupid soggy elves called in uh, Age of Oh, God, you're right. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. Uh, pushing uncomfortably in that direction. <laughs> See, I haven't seen the movie, so is that what they look I mean, kind of, yeah. Yeah? All right, well, there you go, guys. You guys, too, can recreate the, uh, <laughs> the first invasion of Numenor with, uh, with Deepkin. Wow. That's what Guillermo del Toro has come from. We went from Pan's Labyrinth to a fish fucking movie. That's sad. Sad. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, that's all I got for tonight. Yeah, I think I think that's a great place to leave it off, guys. So um, definitely stay tuned for more uh, deep lore to come. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll uh, catch it in about a week. Maybe Patrick can finally get find his way back to the podcast.